How y'all doing? Good. I'm glad you're here tonight. <clears throat> Thanks for coming for this uh, closing time together. Uh, boy, it seems like it has gone by so quickly, and um, I've come to love Brother Jared and his family very much. And uh, boy, I know one thing: you'll never find a pastor that loves his congregation any more than these two. And I appreciate about them. Uh, he is a pastor, no doubt in my mind. And you're very fortunate indeed to have him. <clears throat> Uh, I didn't get to know the staff as much, but Brother Mike has been a, a great blessing. And um, the way he's handled the music has just been tasteful and in line with what God has been wanting to say with us. So thank you uh, for doing that. <clears throat> and may I say thanks also as a point of personal privilege for all those of you who've uh, made our time more enjoyable and our fast uh, sooner pending than we thought. <laughs> Uh, it has been a great time, and uh, thank you for the fellowship. I appreciate the opportunity to get to know the people of God because they're so unique and different, aren't they? And that's the way God intended for us to be. I'm going to talk to you tonight a little bit about probably one of the most misunderstood parts of uh, our Christian life, and that is the church. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I'll begin reading there a little bit, and then we'll turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we'll to... Um, do two little sections tonight, but I'm just going to read one, then I'll read the other and comment from that part. But just to give you a backdrop and an understanding of how God puts the whole thing together and why it exists uh, is going to be very, very important to us. So I'll begin uh, <clears throat> reading in verse 11 of uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and it says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head which is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Pretty amazing to me, isn't it? You? Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We begin reading in verse 12. And Paul's almost comical sometimes in his approach to the way he says things. and You have to go beyond what you read sometimes and imagine a few things. Uh, verse 12 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Whereas the body is one member and has, uh, is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now listen how amazingly funny this can be. If the whole body were an eye, then where would be the hearing? You know what he's saying? 
If your body was one big eyeball, how could you hear? I mean, it's obviously you couldn't do that, right? And now notice what it says next. If the whole were hearing, if your whole body was one big huge ear, some of us are working on that. Where would be the smelly? It's kind of comical, isn't it? It's obvious what he's trying to say. But now, it says verse 18, But now God has set the members, each one in the, in the body, just as he is pleased. Now, according to these passages I've read for you, the church is not our church. It's his church. And he is the head of the church. Christ is still the head, right? Now, watch this close. When Jesus Christ was physically on earth, wherever that body was, God was doing amazing things, wasn't he? I mean, when Jesus showed up, God was doing some incredible things. I mean, the blind would see, the lame would walk, all kind, the sins were forgiven people, all kinds of things were occurring in supernatural kind of ways. It's amazing how where Jesus is in the flesh, God was residing in such a major way. But now watch what happened. The evil one thought he was going to destroy God's plan, so he had the Lord crucified, and uh, he was buried and raised again. And then the Bible says that he ascended back to the Father, making intercession for us. But you know what happened? No longer did Jesus Christ have a body. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, he's still the head, right? He'll always be the head of the church. But he, he didn't have a body anymore. So the mighty works of God, for a time, were suspended. And so God had to form a new body for his son. And in forming that new body, he chose people like you and me from different walks of life and placed them in what the Bible calls the body of Christ or the church. And in that body, every part is supplying what every part needs. And now watch close. And wherever that body of Christ is going, the mighty acts of God should still be taking place. Same head, same God, maybe a different looking body, Not a whole lot different than what Jesus had, but wherever that body is to be, the power of God is to reside in that body, just like He did in the body of His Son. And great things ought to be occurring wherever that body is. Now, I've got to ask you, you don't have to answer this publicly, could you say wherever this body went, God was showing up and doing great and mighty things? Maybe it's because that we've kind of misunderstood where we fit in the body. You ever get a hangnail? I, I get them frequently, working around the farm. Get hangnails, and you put that finger in your pocket, and that's the first thing you hit, right? I mean, you can't already get rid of that thing. But you know what we want to do? We want to sometimes... In the body of Christ, you know, the body of Christ has hangnails. You probably know some, right, in your body. And what we want to do is cut off the whole finger to get rid of the hangnail. We'll just get rid of this hangnail. Everything will be smooth again. 
We do that, right? But you know what the body does? When you get a hangnail and you don't do something with it, after a little while, you notice a little white, uh, little white thing appear around that hangnail. You know what's happening there? The body's trying to heal itself. Instead of cutting off the finger to heal the hangnail, the body, everything in the body, rushes to that hangnail to heal that. But now, let something go wrong in somebody's marriage in a church. Oh, that's, that could be a hangnail. And instead of the whole body rushing to heal that relationship, in many cases it becomes the talk of the church on the phone after church. Instead of coming together and healing itself, we're talking about one another and driving wedges farther and farther in the body, and the body, it seems, can no longer heal itself. Therefore, the mighty power of God is not being displayed in that body. Now, we don't... I remember... uh, my pastor at Central Baptist Church in Cumberland, when we first came back to town, that's where we were members. And the pastor's little daughter, she was five or so. She was a beautiful little girl named Abby, and we love Abby to this day. She calls us Nana and Papa, uh, even though they've been gone for a number of years. And she's grown up to be a beautiful young lady. But she had this tremendous pain in her back when she was five years old. They rushed her off to the doctor, and after many, many tests, they concluded that she had no arteries in either of her kidneys. And it was a miracle that she had survived, and so they did extensive surgery, replaced the arteries in one of the kidneys, and they had to remove the second kidney of this little five-year-old beautiful girl. And she grew uh, uh, out of that kind of stage, and everything was going along fine for a while. She was healing up real well, and then all of a sudden, about six months later, she had the same excruciating pain in her back. So they rushed her back to the doctor, trying to figure out what was going wrong. They thought everything was well, and they did an extensive test for the second time. But this time, here was the conclusion. They said, we don't understand all that's happening in your daughter, but here's what we've concluded as medical professionals. They didn't, the body doesn't know that the kidney is gone yet. And so every part of that child's body is rushing to heal the kidney that no longer exists. Isn't that an amazing story of how the body tries to heal itself? Wouldn't it be wonderful if God's body right here could heal itself in that way? It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? And when somebody stands before your congregation and say, listen, my husband is thinking about leaving me and I don't know what to do. Instead of being a gossip session, they would rally around that precious lady and her children and cry out to God and find a healing for that person. Do you understand how important that's going to be in people's lives? But now here's what we do. You see, every part of the body is supplying whatever other part needs. And so we come and join this fellowship called Green Pines. And we come to God and we say, God, I think I want to be an eye in that body. You know, eyes are beautiful, aren't they? Someone has said they're the windows to the soul. So everybody wants to be an eye. So you come to God and say, God, I want to be an eye in the body. And God looks at you and said, okay. But instead of being an eye, I think I want you to be a big toe. Big toe. 
Come on, God. I I have never seen a good-looking big toe, have you? Most of them things are gnarly and smelly most of the time. But eyes are always beautiful, aren't they? We come to God and say, God, please make me an eye in the body. (laughs) A friend of mine said this one time, and I just... It was just amazing to me. And we so we keep on hounding God. God, please make me an eye. Please make me an eye. So God finally says, okay, I'll make you an eye. But I guarantee you, the only thing you're going to see is the end of a sock. <laughs> you'll, have to get, you'll have to get that one. <clears throat> you know why I said that? Because you don't tell God where you fit in the body. God tells you where you fit. And when you fit there and you respond naturally, all that's going on is just a natural part of what you do. That's where you fit in the body. You don't have to force it. It's a natural part. Now, when I was a college student, I pastored a little church out in the country. And uh, when we first went there, we had, uh, I don't know, eight or 16. Was it 16 in that church? That was one of the bigger churches I'd gone to. 16 in Sunday school, and uh, we started preaching in that little church, and there was a lady that came to me. Her name was Ethel Longworth. I'll never forget her as long as I live. She's on, gone home to be with the Lord now. Miss Ethel came to me and said, uh, Preacher said, I want you to know my husband uh, is an invalid, and he can't get out of bed, and so I stay at home most of the time and care for him, and we went by to visit with him frequently there in the home, and, and she said, I just want to know. Sometimes she would get somebody to sit with her husband, and she'd come to church, and uh, we were always delighted to see Ms. Longworth come. And she said, is there anything that I can do? She said, I, I pray a lot. And said, is there anything I can do? I said, well, you can always continue to pray for your preacher in the church and pray that God would show himself strong in that. And I said, by the way, there's, there's a little book called How to Have a Fully Meaningful Life. I don't know if you've ever heard that little book or not. I said, but uh, I suppose you talk on the phone a lot, don't you, Ms. Longworth? She said, I sure do. I said, well, why don't you just take a moment before those people hang up and read this little book to them? She said, okay, preacher, I'll do that if that's what you want me to do. And so Ms. Longworth stayed home, and she prayed. Then all of a sudden, something wonderful began to happen in that little church in the country. Sunday after Sunday, there'd be people coming down the aisle of that little country church. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And they would come to me, and they'd say, preacher, I just wanted you to know. I talked to Ms. Longworth this week, and she read me this book, and Right at the end of the book, I prayed a prayer and received Jesus in my heart. And Ms. Longworth suggested that I come down the aisle and tell you what I've done. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And that little church in just a few months grew to well over 100, about 140 in Sunday school. And that little church, you know why? I believe with all of my heart it's because Ethel Longworth knew that she was a knee in the body. And if anybody in our church had a prayer request. They didn't come to the preacher and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? No, they'd call Sister Longworth. Because they knew that when Sister Longworth prayed, God moved. You see, she knew where she fit in the body. She didn't have to force it. And to this day, you will not convince me that that church didn't grow and become, and through that ministry, we started what we call the Saxton Educational Center. Uh, We had eight folks on staff of that little old church. And we were teaching folks how to get their GED and uh, read and write and all that kind of stuff in that little community there in, in eastern Kentucky where I went to college. And it's all because Ethel Longworth knew where she fit in the body. And she was supplying everything 
that everybody needed in that body. Now, if you don't think we're in trouble as a church, let me ask you a simple question. You don't have to respond. What is your part in the body? If my guess is right, most of us would have to say, I really don't have an idea where I fit in the body. Do you see where we are as a church? How do you know if you're supplying what everybody else needs? So now when you leave here tonight, please don't go and say, Lord, just show me where I fit in the body. No, don't do that. Just go say, Lord, I know you put me in this body for a reason. Now use me for that purpose. That's all you need pray. And then what God does next in your life, you'll be fulfilling in this body exactly what he wants for you. You don't have to force that because God put you here and uh, he's going to make you operate so that everybody and the whole body will be edified. Now, let me give you this example. My head says I need to pick up the Bible on the podium. So the eye says, well, I see that Bible. Head says, pick it up, right? So the eye says to the hand, hand, why don't you pick up that Bible over there? As the head instructed us, the hand says, okay, I'd be glad to, but all I can do is just grab stuff. And uh, so the eye brain says to the arm, arm, why don't you raise the hand up so he can get the Bible? So the arm raises the hand up. Hand still can't get to the Bible to make a long, it's not going through the whole thing. So finally, I reach over here and I pick up this Bible. The eye saw it first, but how much of my body is touching this Bible? Just the fingers, right? How much of my body was involved in picking it up? Every single bit of it. Now, here's what happens in the church. The eye sees something that God wants. So he says to the hand, Hand, let me tell you what I see. And all of a sudden, the hand responds to the eye and says, Well, I don't see that. Why doesn't the hand see it? The hand's not designed to see But the eye says to the hand, why, you unspiritual person? Why can't you see what I see? And the hand says, I can't see. You know what our problem is? Everybody in church wants every other part of the body to function the same way they do. And we have all kinds of church splits because we want everybody to see if we're an eye or we want everybody to work if we're a hand. And if everybody's not working, if everybody's not seeing, then we're upset. Have a work day sometime. And see who shows up. You know who's going to show up? Those people who are the hands. But now, you know what happens? The hands will complain. Well, where's those so-and-so at? How's come they didn't show up today? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Maybe oh so-and-so is an eye. He's not going to be out there digging around in the dirt. He's going to be seeing stuff God's doing. But we want everybody to function just like we do. And folks, it's not going to happen. So why don't we just let people be who God called them to be in the body? Don't be fussing over what so-and-so isn't doing. But rather be concerned of where God is using you. And that's going to be the greatest concern of your life. Now listen, when a body is functioning like that together, there isn't anything that will stop the power of God from being released in that kind of body and touching a community wherever God places that body. That's what God desires. And I believe that God can use this fellowship 
to change not only Nightdale, but the entire state of North Carolina, the entire country of America, and the entire world. Do I believe that? If I didn't believe that, I'd close that book and I would never preach again. Because the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. Now, if God can do so much in Lynch, Kentucky, with no resources, how much more could God do in Nightdale with the resources right here in this room? It could be amazing, couldn't it? Absolutely amazing. I'm sitting in my office, minding God's business. I told you, if you have any business and it's not God's business, you're in the wrong business. It's got to be God's business. So I'm sitting there minding God's business. I get this phone call. I'm in Lynch, Kentucky. Five, ten people in this whole crowd have been to Lynch or even know where it is. I get a call, and this guy on the other end is from England. And he calls me up, and he says, Lonnie, said, we've been praying. We feel like... Uh, you're the man that God wants to come to Europe to speak to the Federation of European Broadcasters. Can you imagine that? I'm sitting here in Lynch, Kentucky, and I'm thinking, now what am I going to say? I'm not a broadcaster, so I, I really can't give you any details on broadcasting. They said, oh, we don't want you to do that. We want you to tell us what God's doing in Lynch. From England. I said, oh, I can do that. So my... Assistant and I travel over to a little place called Sofia, Bulgaria. And there, in that conference, was 125 nations of the world. All six continents was represented in that meeting. And I began to tell them exactly what I've been telling you. No different. You know why? That's the only story I've got. If God wasn't doing anything, I wouldn't have a thing to tell. And that's the way I want it to be. If God isn't doing anything, I don't need to tell much. I just need to wait till God does something. Then I'll tell. We were sitting around um, <clears throat> the table afterwards, and they had tears in their eyes without exception. They say, would you please come to Europe and teach our leadership how to live by faith? No one in Europe lives this way. In the little book that you were given on Sunday morning, many of the households got that book is now being translated into four languages of the world. And when that's translated, they were asking me to come back to five countries in Europe to teach that little book. Now, I'm sitting in Lynch, Kentucky. No resources, no anything but a big God. Sitting in the same office, minding God's business. I get another phone call. fellow with broken English on the other end said, Pastor Riley, said, we've been praying and we feel you're the man to come to Africa and teach our pastors about what God is doing in Lynch. So my sister and I made our way to Ghana, Africa. And there were over 500 pastors all over Africa coming to this meeting. I shared with them just what I shared with you. And without exception, they said to me, can you come back to Africa? And set up a time where you could come twice a year and you could teach our leadership how to live by faith. Now, I'm in Lynch, Kentucky. Most of you don't even know where it's at. But you see, it's not the size 
of your resource that determines the size of your ministry. But rather, it's the size of your God that determines the size of your ministry. How big is your God? My God is big enough to do whatever He chooses to do. And I'm going to ask you tonight to allow the Lord to use you in this body so that every part supplying what every part needs, that body will begin to grow and edify itself in love, finding direction from the head who is Christ and moving out into the world. And wherever you go, God will be demonstrating his power through you. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? That's exactly God's design for the church. Now, I'm going to pray with you tonight. I told you we wouldn't be here long. I just want to encourage you to take that which God has shared with you this week and you let him live out himself in your life. And then when people meet you, they will have a sense that they met someone greater than you. And that will be the Christ in you. And God will be doing great and mighty things.